welcome to Wrestling Chat with Friends. I highly anticipate a large dose of cowboy shit. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to your favorite part of the week, Wrestling Chat with Friends. As always, I am Megan Oh, now you guys want to do the DJ noises. I've been solo on DJ noises for months. Welcome to Wrestling Chat with Friends. That brings me joy. That might be what I'm popping for this week because you guys never make that noise with me. I was waiting all week just to do that. Me too. Yes, I'm glad it's spreading. Well, I am Megan Rickman Blackwood, your favorite heel in heels, and I am joined by some of the best friends to talk wrestling about cheats. Coach Two Belts. How you doing, Cheat? Fantastic, fantastic. Little League team is ready to roll. The uh, Coach Pitch Pirates are about to uh, make it to 500 tomorrow. Mm. Getting ready for the playoffs. Ready to rock. No, that's right. Bring that belt home. You guys should have a belt. I know it's normally like a trophy, but it should be a belt. It should be a belt. I didn't think of that. I'm pushing for the belt. And then we have Elliot, the collector. What do you have for us this week, collector? What do you hear? What do you say? Um, here I'm present. I'm accounted for and I'm accountable. I have a very special collector's choice this week. It's a one of one in the world. Mm-hmm. This is a fist that fist bumped John Moxley last <laughs> Saturday at Capital Collision. There's only one of them like it in the world. I also just get my... Bullet Club t-shirt in today. Right in the nick of one week late to wear it to the show, but that's all right. (laughs) Here we go. Cheats, heels, TG, I'm here, I'm ready. Let's go. Get it on. And then we have the the ultimate worrier. I always have to be very, very clear with that. How you doing tonight, Tom? I'm doing great. Cheatham, a WrestleMania 6 t-shirt. I was doing doing this for Tom, the ultimate warrior. Gotcha. It is a I, I'm doing great. I, I witnessed the aforementioned fist bump last mm-hmm. week, so I can vouch for that. I saw it. You saw That's it happen, it and then happens. I touched knuckles with him afterwards, and I and I got a little bit of that John Moxley fist love. It, it came my way. Yeah, and it's I, called, I, I just, called sweat, Megan. Yeah, I know. I didn't want to say it. It sounded gross. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. Let's get so, with it. Well, let's jump right in. So, what we're popping for this week, and. In a non-traditional way, I'm actually going to go first because I don't want anybody else to steal mine. Um, as you guys, some of you guys know, uh, a bunch of the crew went up for the New Japan Pro Show in Washington, D.C., and we got to see some of our favorite wrestlers live. And I'm popping for John Moxley. I, um, I've loved John Moxley since he was Dean Ambrose. Um, I always enjoy his promos, uh, anything I've seen of him in real life, like as a person doing interviews and stuff, stuff he does with Renee, I just think he's amazing. Um, and watching him, it was like the third time I've seen him wrestle in real life. And I leaned over to my husband and I told him, I felt like I was watching Van Gogh paint. Like there are, there are people who love a thing a lot and suck at it. There are people that are really good at a thing, but you you can kind of tell they don't love it, love it. And I feel like Mox is one of those those rare. And at the end of the day, this is an art form, right? Like it's sports, it's wrestling, it's also art. And watching um, an artist in their element uh, work as well as he does, it was just it was beautiful. I 
I, I screamed and yelled, of course, but a lot of the match, I found myself just silently just watching, watching Mox work, um, the way he was putting other wrestlers over, uh, even his, his promo at the end of the show, uh, just top notch. I'm popping for Mox. I know it's a, it's a normal pop for me, but this week was, was really special and I'm really glad that I got to go up there and I'm glad I got to experience it with all of you guys. So that's my, what I'm popping for this week. Cheats, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to stay with the same show, but a little bit different angle in the sense that, you know, we started this show basically during pandemic, and we've been really, really lucky to bring on quite a few wonderful podcasts, wonderful friends, meet a lot of folks, but we were never in a position to get together, all of us, Ty included, and watch a show together, and all of us went up to Washington, D.C., all of us got to experience Capital Collision together and in a weird turn of events for us in our show, El- Elliot the Collector and I got there about an hour and a half early and we were able to meet so many people and talk about Wrestling Chat with friends with so many people that we have met a ton of new friends. We're going to have a bunch of friends on the show as we move forward. It was just a wonderful experience. I'm popping for that experience and being able to share it with all of you and able to see live wrestling it was my first live show in, in in years. And it was a wonderful experience. So Capital Collision, meeting all the folks, spending time with you guys is what I was popping for this week. Absolutely. Elliot, what you got for us? Cheats, that was very well said. I think all of us collectively probably popped the hardest in the last couple of weeks just being together for that night. I know we're going to talk about it in the A block, but uh, that was a special night, special show. Felt very intimate. I think everyone who was in the arena knew why they were there and appreciated it. Like you didn't, you didn't see a casual just WWE fan there. And that's what I expected, and that's what I got, and it was great. And again, I want to save all that, but sure, being with you guys, meeting some of y'all for the first time ever – First time in a long time, first time in 43 years in the case of Tom. Yeah. But um, so, and I also want to give a quick shout out to our friend, Mr. Perry. I don't want to dwell on yes. what happened to him today, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll maybe. No, pop know. for that. Tell him. Tell him okay. what happened. It's worth it. It's worth it. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, as anyone remembers, several weeks ago, we had on Victor Perry, who's a teacher in Brooklyn. He teaches kids in Brooklyn and he's a wrestling fan, discovered that a lot of his class were wrestling fans and he has started a wrestling club at his school and i wish i'll get the name in just a second and we'll we'll promote it at the end of the show again but he is doing great things go to his website uh we'll we'll give that or his twitter handle we'll give that out but after the show we had stayed in communication with him and he mentioned how he was shopping for belts for the class and i think all of us collectively said nope we'll take care of that and we quick turnaround we got a wwe undisputed title commemorative title from the shop sent to his classroom it arrived today there are videos on twitter of the kids opening it of the kids reaction it's um hasn't gone completely viral exploded yet but that's not the point it's for the kids and he was as he's he's a really exceptional guy and you'll hopefully see more about him and um it may it was just a good deed i felt great doing it i felt great seeing his reactions but it wasn't for me it's for the kids those guys are champions so I'm definitely also popping for that uh, this week. And Hookhausen. 
Um, Elliot, I feel like you you might have popped a little extra hard. They had one of the kids like unbox it out of the velvet bag for the that whole was, class. Was awesome. It was so good to watch. And they all like their faces lit up. And I think like what's so special about what Victor is doing is it's, it's capturing that like joy and the magic of what pro wrestling can be um, and just instilling it in a whole new generation. Um, so, yeah, we're going to make sure we throw that that handle up for you guys. Uh, but please go check that out. The kids' faces are like pop of the month, right? Let me also just quick add the whole reason that we discovered Victor is because Sasha Banks, who who knows who she's employed by right now. I mean, we know who she has a contract with, but who knows where she'll appear next. She was the one who made uh, retweeted his original tweet about the class, came and visited the class weeks ago, and we had him on before that. And he said something was in the works, and it was great that it was that. So kind of cool also that uh, the person who's number one top on everyone's wrestling mind right now is involved in that also. So, yeah. It's a, it's a full circle. It's a squared circle. It's mm. a, very good. Very good. <laughs> All right. The ultimate worrier. I know you're normally worried, but what are you popping for this week? I excluded everything from the DC show because I knew we were going to be talking about later. So with that in mind, what I'm popping for this week is there is no single thing that is entertaining me as much right now is how angry Kevin Owens is about the Ezekiel. Elias. It's so good. Sure. It's so, I, I let, yep. it's so good. I always say the thing that makes a great heel is when the heel has a point. And he is sitting there just surrounded by these people trying to gaslight him and to, and to say this is some other guy. And he's so mad. And I laugh every time. And so no one weird. gets more apoplectic than Kevin Owens. <laughs> <laughs> he gets graphics cough. He gets mad at the graphics. Somebody in the commentary says something. He gets mad. I, lo I love it. I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Okay. So you guys know I don't really follow WWE. So mm. for like the first half of this angle, I really thought that that was like his little brother. <laughs> I was like, oh, they look so much alike. Like, I, I would say worked me. I was completely I, worked. It's hilarious. Uh, it's hilarious creative. And it's a, it really is one of the better things that re in recent, in recent creative that WWE has done to, and they were very high on Elias. It just never really worked the way they mm. wanted it to. And to this Ezekiel thing is hilarious, and he's he's actually a really talented wrestler. So, if they can make this work, it's really exciting. But Kevin Owens is doing the perfect Kevin Owens. In I this, love in this, yeah, and I love the little subtleties to it too. Like, for example, the first several weeks that Ezekiel appeared, he would say, "Hey, sorry to interrupt. Interrupting really isn't my thing." When he was Elias, it, he would constantly either be interrupting interrupt, or, interrupt, or interrupting yeah. someone. And then now Kevin Owens' whole thing is how much he hates liars. <laughs> so there's this it's whole so thing good. where these guys are – and then, you you know, Alpha Academy's in the mix doing their thing, which is also, you know, wonderful. So I, I'm really enjoying it. I tell you, so not, you not, to put myself, not to put myself over deal. anymore, but give me a few weeks of not shaving. I could have the exact same gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, really. I think you should do it. I'm on board. It'll be like – we got to come up with a cool name for you, but it's going to be like collector adjacent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The collector's, but, but little, they're, collector's they're, little brother has moved in and has taken over the podcast. Yeah, they're killing yeah. it on social too, which is funny. Like they're yeah. you know the pictures 
of <laughs> there's a picture of Ezekiel and Elias together that was just hilarious. That is so poorly photoshopped, and he's like, "See, <laughs> it's so good." I saw that it's they so put good. Ezekiel. He's in like the official WWE roster, and he comes up right under Elias. I don't know. I'm on board. I used to love Elias. I. I like they're still like walk with the lives jokes around our house from time to time. Um, so I'm I'm on board for whatever they're doing. All right, so let's jump in and talk about Capital Collision and you guys' reactions to the matches. I pulled out a couple of ones that I thought they might be interesting for us to talk about. The first one I'm gonna give to Cheats to talk about because I saw him pop. I was like maybe like three or four rows, four or five rows behind you guys. I literally saw cheats pop when this moment happened. Leo Rush pop in. Hmm. So it's it's funny because when we started the show, we couldn't figure out Ty and I couldn't figure out how we felt about Leo Rush, and that's that's kind of the running joke for me is that people would assume that I hate Leo Rush, and I actually love Leo Rush. I think Leo Rush as a performer, is extremely talented. As a talker, I think he's hilarious and really funny. I think the problem has always been with Leo Rush is Leo Rush is personally inconsistent. If yes. It's very much – we're going to talk about Sasha Banks later, but Leo Rush is like Sasha Banks on steroids. It could be in the same show when he decides he doesn't want to wrestle anymore. Yeah. Or he or he retires. He could be he could walk out, do the opening promo, walk back out and be like, I'm done for good, guys, and then close in the main event. Mm -hmm. And everybody would be like, This is Leo Rush. This is what he does. I, I really wished his AEW run was stronger, mm -hmm. but I think he got hurt and then he wanted to quit again and he wanted to make music. I don't know. New New Japan is a place where Leo Rush can thrive if he wants to wrestle. That has always been the thing. I always enjoy seeing him. And he's one of those athletes and performers where I love seeing him. I love him on the mic. I love everything he did at the New Japan show. And then if I saw him after the show, I would still be like, I don't know if I want to hang out with him. <laughs> I don't know if I want to like go up to him. Because it could be just like complete mood swing. And then I'll be like, oh, great. Excited to see Leo Rush. Glad he's back in New Japan. When he gets cleared, if he doesn't decide that he wants to change his mind, he will have amazing matches in New Japan. He is that talented of a performer. He is top-notch. And I can't wait to see him work. I loved him. I loved him in the black and gold NXT. I loved him in the indies. Again, left left something to be desired on the AEW run. But he, he can be a star, star, star if he dedicates himself and stays healthy. Honestly, I feel like even in his promo, he was like back and forth. Like he's like, I'm here. Look at me, guys. I'm ready to wrestle. I'm not ready to wrestle. I don't know if I'm coming back. Like he, it was a very Leo Rush moment. That's why I, I felt like it very encapsulated his whole his whole shtick. Pretty That's much. What... Pretty much. But okay, it was good, so to, good to, the... to see him home in DC. Good to see him home. In Absolutely. DC. Um, let's get to the matches. So Brody King went over Murder Grandpa. I was kind of sad about that. What did you guys, what was y'all's reaction to seeing Suzuki live? Did the chops feel as, as intense to you as they do on, on TV? 
Yeah, I wanted, well, to, I wanted yeah. to speak exactly about those chops. And it had been a long time since I had been to live wrestling. And I started going in the 80s when the Richmond Coliseum was dark and gritty. And there were 2,000 people watching Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA. I have forgotten a lot of the moments and sometimes the smells and the crowd and the lights. One thing I have never forgotten are two things. One is the sound of that plywood when someone hits it hard, just the sound that echoes throughout the arena. And the second, it's a sound you will never hear anywhere else in nature. The sound of meat slapping meat or whatever biggies, you know, man smacking meat. They were so loud and so terrifying and so frightening that it, it added the it added to each chop added to the intensity of the match and it just built and built and built and the crowd was hot for it every time i mean every performer had a chop session with their opponent it seemed like throughout the night mm -hmm. those two however the fact that it's brody king who's this mountain of a man who's completely tatted up and just sort of scary looking and murder grandpa who is i guess at this point is it is it cult okay. hero cult legend mm -hmm. he's cult status for sure um that among a lot of other moments that night made me sort of appreciate what I was looking at with seeing those two go at it. It was interesting to me because like Brody King's chops were louder. Like they had the more of the reverberating like slap noise. No doubt. But the Zookies, I think like it felt like it vibrated under your feet. Like it felt like it was hitting his heart. Like I, mm -hmm. we were up in the stands like Jared and I were like, ooh, ow, <laughs> ah. Like it, you could hear it like bump against his chest. I don't know how they took some of those shots. That, and then another match we're going to talk about, Eddie Kingston and Ishii. Like, there were moments in that I was like, someone's heart's going to stop. Like, they're going to accidentally stop each other's hearts, and someone's going to die in the ring. <laughs> um, Cheats, what was your thoughts on seeing Suzuki live? Uh, actually, I went into the match thinking of just that. Oh, I'm going to see Suzuki live, and it turned into Man, Brody King is a star. Mm -hmm. We gotta figure. I I love what House of Black is. I love him being a part of House of Black. I hope it expands. But Brody King is so impressive. He's a massive, massive human being. He is agile. He can he can really work. And I was one of the takeaways of the night was I need to see way more of Brody King. I mm -hmm. loved what he did in the ring. And to me, in that match, he stole the show. He was he was the guy to watch in that. He, Suzuki's Suzuki. He's great. But Brody King is the guy that I left being like, I got to see more of that guy. I hope he really gets some impressive work as he moves forward in his career. I have a feeling that people in high positions know that, and that could be a big reason why he went over too. Yeah. Tom, what were your thoughts? I like that match a lot. I think in addition to everything that's already been said, what I really liked about that match, and this was something that I kind of came, uh, brought to the show, so to speak, from my perspective, is that a lot of those guys uh, on the card, I wasn't really familiar with. Now, obviously, in the case of Suzuki and King, I know, I know them from AEW, but... Um, so I was much more sensitive in a lot of these matches to like, okay since I know very little going in, are these guys going to tell a story that, that I as sort of a very casual new Japan fan can follow in this case, I thought 
what I really liked about this match was was that they told a really good story. It was all about you know small joint manipulation, of course the chops and stuff, but small joint manipulation and really Suzuki, you know he got the better of the match for the most part until the yeah. end, and then it kind of made sense like oh of course you know Brody King is this is younger, bigger, you know whatever, and he went over as you guys just said, and I thought what I liked about it was that there was really a good narrative in the match and i think that and i I talked to cheatham and elliot about this a little bit after the show i think one of the challenges with uh new New japan's matches and the strong style is that there's sometimes is i don't want to say it's it's something they fall back on but but there's always that fans want to see the exchange of the chops or indoor elbows and sometimes while that's very impressive as a physical feat it can sort of take away from, like I said, like the storytelling pieces, like, okay, we're just kind of kind of stop the action here and just have mm-hmm. one guy stand there and the other guy, you know, hit him and then vice versa. And I think that that's awesome in small doses, but when you see it like four out of five matches in a row, then it becomes like, okay, we need a little more here. And in that match in the Brody King match, there was a really good story they told and I, I liked it a lot. Absolutely. I think that's something that um, Suzuki's really good at. Uh, Sheeta's another one that does it really well, like in that style of like, and actually another one I'm going to say is Bobby Fish and Kyle Mm O'Reilly. They get, they pick a part of their opponent, whether in that match it was Suzuki was working on his hand, but they'll pick a point like just somewhere on the body and work it the entire match. And I think, like, we are in the American style, we're a lot more, we're used to seeing the flippy shit. Like, that's what we're into. We're into constant moving and action and stuff. But, like, that long-term work of a body part, like, Shida, Shizuki, there's, like, a lot of a lot of people that do that. And, like, it is, it, it, it adds a lot more to the story. It's not as flary. It's not as, as exciting as somebody flipping off the top rope. But it makes sense. If you're in a fight, you're going to work work somebody's arm until they can't hit you anymore. Um, so that was an amazing match. I loved it. Uh, let's move on to Ish- Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. Ishii won the match. Um, what were you guys' thoughts on that match, seeing Eddie Kingston live? I know he's a big, he's a popular guy around these parts. Sheets, what's up with the face? I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I sat, I watched this match sitting next to Tom, and I'll just never forget the, you know, the the this is awesome chant. And then Tom looks at me and goes, Is it? Is it awesome? (laughs) So I'll let let Tom start. Okay, Tom, go. Eddie Kingston is a great personality, a star, a great talker. I, I. I think if that match had been on like a standard AEW card, for example, I think it doesn't suffer as much. But the fact that so many of the things that they did uh, that would have stood out on, a, on an Amer- a traditional American wrestling card were maybe emulated in some of the other matches and maybe done better, like the match we just talked about, that was not my favorite match. Of the night. That I, I it didn't it just didn't work. I was like, okay, I think we get it. We we get it. But wrap it up. You know, I just like, come on, guys. Let's let's I was so, also thinking the whole time I was like, I wonder how like legit how tall Ishii is. Cause he's he's like, I mean, you know, they call him Stone Pitbull, is that his yeah. nickname? I mean that's yeah. that's, that's that fits. That yeah. He is just a fire he's hydrant. Small and compact. 
Yeah. Um, so this is my first time seeing Eddie live. And let me preface this by saying that I love Eddie Kingston. There is no because again, he's you remember how I said at the beginning there's people that like really love it and aren't that good at it, but they love it so much that it matters. Mm. That's Eddie Kingston mm. for me. <laughs> Watching him live, it felt like Eddie's fight style is like what I imagine a little kid like goes home and tells their mom, like I got in a fight and then I spun around real fast and then I got up and I raised my fist and the whole crowd was with me, mom. And I, I powered up. Like he even does the thing from like cartoons where you're like, ah, like I love him. God love Eddie. He is amazing. I don't want him going anywhere anytime soon. I would love to see him stay in AEW forever. Um, but it was a little bit like watching like a little kid fight. And <laughs> maybe that's his appeal. I don't know. I love Eddie Kingston, though. So he can, he can do no wrong in my eyes. But it did have like he, really he is, ADHD eight-year-old energy to it. He is so over. I will yeah. say that. He was might have been the most over person of the night till the main event. He was yeah. so over. But I, I think, yeah, during the match, I looked at Tom laughing and said... Let's let's put in perspective that Eddie Kingston's finishing move is a spinning back fist. It's about the most unathletic, most like not devastating. They've been punching each other for 15 minutes. Then he's supposed to spin around and punch him, and that's that's the match. That's the end. It makes no sense. Over hyper eight year old. Like if you are an, uh, if you are a hyper eight year old, that is gonna be your finisher. And then I spun around, mom. Yeah. I spun around real fast. I, I went into the match, and most people know this. I don't think Eddie Kingston's that great of a wrestler. Uh I've been more impressed with Eddie the last couple of since the Jericho match. Mm -hmm. I've been more impressed with his in-ring work. He had a good match with Ishii in the sense that of his in-ring work was better than it was when he started coming on the scene in AEW. And uh, I do think that, you know, he he's just so over. There's nothing he can – there's nothing he can't do with a mic and in the ring and be like, let's fight. And then the fight starts and you're like, what? What? <laughs> and, and when I think about, like, contrasting the match that we saw to, like – how he potentially will be used in the five on five match at the at double or nothing like that. He's going to be awesome in that. I mean, that'll be great because that is going to be, you know, everybody's going to get in, get their stuff. Like you said, super over. He's going to be fantastic in that match. This match, I don't think played to his strengths. Okay. Listen, I can't take anymore. Hold on. A second. <laughs> do it. Get him. Descent. Yeah. Let's go do it. All right. Do you guys forget? why you got into wrestling it's for the characters it's for the violence 100%. 100%. You, you guys closed both of your arguments with the right things but it was so backhanded because you totally sh basically shit on his personality and it's not his personality let me change yeah. that his ring work sometimes who gives a shit megan megan said it right some people suck actually as maybe athletes because he doesn't look like an athlete he doesn't act like an athlete his character is so good he's mm -hmm. so over and he can fight not everyone wrestles some people fight there have been yeah. fighters throughout wrestling and you know i could take particular uh problem with your but all three of you actually for a second his finishing move who else does that 
Chris Jericho. Jericho. So come on, guys. You know, Chris, oh, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Chris Jericho does it now after like 30 years of awesome wrestling. Like, we're forgetting about like. I haven't seen. The, I don't know Eddie Kingston. I don't know how Eddie Kingston wrestled 12, 13 years ago. He may have. Nobody does because we didn't see him. <laughs> I'm yeah. willing to give I'm willing to give Jericho a pass knowing okay. of all of the stuff that he was able like Jericho's physically not in, the same human being. In right? 2009, 2008 when Jericho was making his what second or third WWE run, Kingston was in the Indies with Brody Lee. They were a faction. And if you find some of those videos on YouTube, <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, Eddie does Eddie had a different slightly different body, but he's always, you know, there's a reason Kevin Owens is this, has a similar body type. Yeah. Kevin Owens can move better, no right. doubt about it. His ring work cannot be compared. I was going to say, are we literally, ta- no, are we not, literally, not literally talking about Chris Jericho and Kevin Eddie Owens? Kingston's, as opposed to Eddie Kingston Eddie ring Kingston's work. character is right there with Kevin yeah, Owens. Yeah, his character is. His character. Absolutely. So, so at the end of the day, one, you know, one out of six matches, I'm not going to criticize his ring work because his ring work doesn't need criticism. He would agree with you, and that's what's great about Eddie Kingston. And then sure. he beat the ever-loving hell out of all of us at the same time. It was, like, it was a super fun match. Like, that's yeah. the thing about Eddie. Like, I am never, I am never not entertained with Eddie. I was, when I was entertained. I always was entertained. entertained to the highest level. Maybe, it, maybe not for the reasons you guys were entertained, but I was entertained. <laughs> I was super entertained. Absolutely. I loved it. Just for the record, we love you, Eddie Kingston. This oh, yeah. is not yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't love Eddie Kingston show. No, no, no. You are loved. I mean, Please half half of me half of the screen, half of the screen definitely loves him. I'm, you know, the other half, I'm not so sure about. Which half? I, but... I, I love it. And again, like, it, I, there's no higher compliment for me than like you give me eight year old energy fan, a wrestling fan energy, because like that's where we all started. That's where all of us started, right? So to take yep. me back to like that like manic little kid, I'm gonna get in a fight energy. Like it was great. I had a blast. That ca- that character in 1999 in WWF, that character probably in 2009 in WWE. That would have been a great character. He doesn't have the ring work to probably have made it in WWE, but man, that character is so good. And has come on really so fast because of AEW that um, he is. He's an amazing, amazing. character. Here's, here's, here's what I'll say about this, and I'll and we'll move on. Yes. I actually really like a bunch of French Montana songs. French Montana, I like his song. Watch where I go with this. Is this okay. the part I, where I say I don't know who that is? I mean, no, no, he's he's, an, he's a rapper, okay. and he has a lot of hit songs. And I actually like a lot of French Montana songs. I would not tell you that French Montana is a good rapper, because he's not. He's not a good. Have you ever heard French Montana rap? He can't rap. He can't rap. But I like his rap songs. Eddie Kingston is an amazing wrestler. I don't think his wrestling part of that. Which is just one part of all that is Eddie Kingston is that that great. I think he's a limited wrestler. That's not saying that I don't he's not in my playlist. I'm not saying he's not in the top ten of my most played songs. But there there are Tom and in, in, in I'll break it down for a sensibility that you would understand. There are bands that have singers that aren't amazing singers, but you like the bands, right? Yeah. You like their songs. That's that's my like I love I well, love it. Yeah, and, and I the, love the, the Eddie Kingston brand. He's the, just the analogy. The analogy I was going to use is I think that where and pro wrestling is you obviously unique because it's so different than any other 
form of entertainment because there is this weird overlap with sports. But I think from the standpoint of what really matters at the at the end of the proverbial day is, you know, as you all have said, he's super over. He has a good character. I mean, and that, and so if you look at like <clears throat> the biggest stars in the history of the business, some were good wrestlers, some were not at all. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. That's, it's, that's it's my who's, point. Who's the Thank biggest you. star? Sure. So it's, it's the same thing as saying like, okay, in the last, you know, let's say 40 years of movie history, safe to say that Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of the biggest movie stars, box office attractions of the last 40 years. No one would say he's one of the 10 best actors of the how, last How years. dare you? Thank you. <laughs> no, Tom, I can't win. I was trying no, to drop no, no, the no, ground. I'm, I'm, while no, you're, you're right. talking, yeah. I get while it. you're talking, while you're talking, Tom, the last what ten years of a Hulk Hogan career, like Hollywood Hogan, whether right. you like him personally or not, in ring wasn't that great of a wrestler. It was okay. a lot, if you break it down, there's a lot. Right. So I mean, he, Eddie Kingston right. reminds me a lot of Bubba Ray Dudley, mm. a limit okay. lim, limited move set can do things that are violent and get up and do them again and over and over again. But, you know, ring technician, limited, like a lot of wrestlers, if we yeah. thought about it, are. Yeah. And to so, me, he's to so me, good. He's so ultimate, good. The ultimate example to me is uh, Steve Austin, who was a great worker until he broke his neck. Right. And the fact that he became much more limited in the ring, irrelevant. Irrelevant. He, he just got, got hotter Bigger and hotter. character. Yeah. Yep. All right. Moving on. Eddie Kingston. Final word on Eddie Kingston. We love you and we think you're amazing. We do. So, we, do. we love you. Um, so let's talk about the main event. Awesome. It was amazing and wonderful. The wrong person won nonetheless. Mm. So Juice Robinson went over. He got the belt over uh, Will Ospreay, Tanahashi, I can't say his last name and I'm not going to try, and John Moxley. Um, what did you guys think about the match? Uh, did it live up to the hype? Those are four really big names in wrestling. I think even if even if you don't really watch New Japan, you know who Will Ospreay is. Uh, Tanahashi has been a staple of New Japan for a very long time. Um, Juice Robinson was the first match that Mox had back after WWE. So did it live up to the hype for you guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was not lost on me or the crowd at any moment who we were seeing, what we were really witnessing with Tanahashi and Osprey Okada in the previous match, even though he didn't get as much action, which as I would like to have seen being under the same roof as those guys. It, it was not lost on me or the crowd. Um, the match was spectacular. This it was the spots were fantastic. The table spot. Um, was it Tanahashi on Moxley? Yeah, the one I have actually a great video of. Yeah. I want to let Tom and Sheets take it oh, uh, because those guys really, I bet, have some great takes on it. But it was just special that I witnessed it. Those guys, it, Will Ospreay is my probably my favorite wrestler outside the United States. And just that was really New Japan and this sort of this industry is a lot about just like honor and respect. And I felt the honor and respect to just like, Watch that match. Take Absolutely. it, guys. Yeah. I, that may, I mean, I have to think about this, but that may be the best wrestling match I've ever seen live. Mm. It, it was, I, I don't even know how long it was, 15, 16 minutes maybe. I mean, something like that. 
I, you know, one of the things, because it was a, a, a Japanese promotion show, they do the traditional thing of telling you how much time has gone by. And that match was like, when they said 10 minutes, it was like, holy crap, it has been 10 minutes already? Because it was just nonstop action. One of the challenges, I think, in any promotion with booking uh, a four-way match or three-way match um, is kind of the audience's attention is going to be drawn to different things and sequencing it so the audience is able to appreciate everything that's happening, not having stuff overlap, not drawing people, you know, attention away from a high spot or whatever is a really tough dance. And they did it perfectly. I also, uh, uh, the venue, by the way, was great. We touched on it a little bit at the beginning. It was a great venue for a wrestling show. And the fact that they have the, they had the, you know, the, um, video screen or whatever in a position where it's like, okay, I see Tanahashi going up and I can kind of see Moxley, but all I have to do is like, look up, you know, one foot of my visual range. And I see, I can see the other angle of him leaping off. Um, I mean, the whole thing from start to finish was, was amazing. I'm with you, Megan. I was, I really thought the juice Robinson was there purely to, to break up, uh, potential spots that the crowd was going to pop for to be the heel who like interferes with them having you know do, doing something that's going to please the crowd and then he won and I was like wow I, d- I definitely did not expect that um, I last thought and I'll kick it over to Cheatham of course I said this right after the, the, the show Will Ospreay is awesome he yeah. is yeah. phenomenal I've probably seen a match of his before at some point like on YouTube or something Certainly the first time I've seen him live and probably the first time I've seen one of his matches from start to finish. He was beyond impressive. Everybody in that match is great, but I had never seen him before. He was fantastic. Love the match. Uh, I'll be I'll be quick because I'm I'm going to start where Tom ended. Wool Ospreay to me was so impressive, mm-hmm. so impressive. And, and there is an element of, you know what Mox is going to do. I didn't know that much history about Juice Robinson. And if you're actually putting a cap on the entire night, Bullet Club had an amazing night for that show. Yeah. Bullet Club won all their matches and, and really did some some amazing work. But Will Allspray was phenomenal. He's big, he's athletic, he can he works really well, and he did his energy was so so high. The entire match was just really, really impressed. Now, I did see him and Mox went one-on-one a couple weeks ago, right before the event. It was really yeah. impressive. I, I, I've been familiar with Will Ospreay for a while, but seeing people, the same thing I'll say about Brody Lee, uh, Brody King, excuse me. Certain people are much more physically impressive when you see them in person. And Will Ospreay has got great size, great mm-hmm. size, great athleticism, can work. He was just impressive. And don't look, don't don't sleep, because the, the mass is coming back to Moxley, too. When Moxley returned from his from his rehab break, he 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 was a skinnier Mox. And a lot of people made comments about it. He's still skinny in you know great shape still slenderer than he was before he left 
But if you look at Mox now and you look at his chest and his shoulders, he, he's he's been in the gym too. And so yeah. it, it, he, it was impressive. And I, I was really impressed with everyone in the match. Uh, Will Ospreay, to me, stole the show in a bit, but it was a phenomenal match. And probably – Probably was the best match I've ever seen live in person. Will, Os- Will Ospreay. Oh, go ahead. Will Ospreay, 6'1", 231. Yeah, he's bigger than I thought he was. I was also surprised. One one quick thing I forgot to mention. Um, to the point that was made earlier, Elliot, I think you, you had talked about how, uh, you know, there, there wasn't – the interesting thing about – one of the interesting things about that show was, you know, I sort of semi-complained about the fact that, like, okay, the, this – the exchange of blows, the strong style exchange of blows in the middle of the ring, after you see it a bunch of times, it sort of uh, it maybe detracts from it when you've seen it in the fourth match of the night or whatever. Conversely, one thing about that show that I think made the main event pop even more was the fact that, and, and I said this to Cheatham at the time, in the semi-main event, mm-hmm. Okada, I believe, it was uh, Okada. Yeah, did a move off the top rope, and I was like, I think that's the first top rope move we've mm-hmm. seen all night. And yeah. then you get to the main event, and now all of a sudden, Osprey does his thing, and Tanahashi, you know, goes to the outside, and that's the, the contrast is so much more potent because there hasn't there haven't been a whole bunch of flippy flops all night, and all of a sudden it's like there's this this it's like a fireworks display at the you know mm-hmm. at the end of a ball game or something. Uh, it was absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just real quick, I, and Megan, I know you want to say something, but yes, yeah, just, just because you made such great points, that culture of New Japan wrestling is why I wanted to go and see it. Not just because there weren't multiple, there were there were a handful of shots, but of top rope moves, one table spot. There weren't an abundance of chair shots, and the one thing about the crowd, we, I saw it. I saw Megan, you and your husband were doing it after move sets, just very nice applause. There weren't asshole chants. There weren't, you know, there was a, there was a, this is awesome chant, but like, it was the kind of crowd that that uh, company draws. It's part of the Japanese, you know, style of having just like reverence for these wrestlers and the crowd showed immense reverence for these guys. Absolutely. Um, Will Ospreay actually won me over um, with this match. I have always thought uh, that will us, and this is probably because I've just gotten into watching his matches over the last year. I've always kind of felt like he was the poor man's Kenny Omega. Um, and when I saw him live last week, it, I, 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 a lot of respect grew for Will Ospreay, um, and him as his own character, his own moveset, his own style, um, I really, I was super impressed and I'm really glad again, we got to go. That's, it's going to be like, it's going to be probably one of my favorite shows for a long time. It's going to take something, it's going to take something special to beat that one. I'm glad All we right, went let's move on because we are, we're, um, we're nearing the end of the show and we're still in the B block of what we're supposed to be talking about. So, um, I'm going to let cheats maybe like lead this part of the conversation more because you guys know I'm not a big WWE head. But there was quite a bit of uproar uh, this Monday for Raw. Uh, Naomi and Sasha, who are the women tag team champions, were scheduled to... Uh, who Who is down here? Who keeps talking about Rocky Ramirez? I'm going to have to fight one of y'all if y'all keep on talking about my boy Rocky. Because you know I like best friends and chaos. <laughs> so, nonetheless, continue, back continue. on point. 
wrap it back up. Okay, so um, okay, so Naomi and Sasha were supposed to be in the main event um, of Raw. Uh, word is is that Naomi was supposed to go over. It was supposed to be setting up a whole lot of other angles. End of the line is that they apparently, uh, right at the beginning of the show, or maybe some reports are saying right before the show, put their belts on the table and walked out. Gentlemen, walk me through what this means for WWE. Uh, I do know it's been reported in the last, since this happened last week, uh, that both Naomi and Sasha's contracts are up in the next few months. Um, do you see them leaving the company? Do you see this changing their storyline? Where it is, there is not a lot of support for them, or support is mixed backstage. The word spoiled has been thrown around by some other performers in the locker room. Go. Tell me all your thoughts. Again, it's like the Roman story. Like, yeah, I don't no. know enough to have. And, and Well, I'll start by saying this. No one knows enough in the general public to mm -hmm. have a educated opinion on this. That's right. A definitive opinion. Yeah. Definitive opinion. We know history. We know what seems to start to be a pattern about Sasha Banks in regards to where she knows she is with the public and within the company, and also where the company believes she is in regards to their relationship with her and what they want to do with her. And we do know that they do not align. Sasha Banks believes she is at a level, and she very well may be that. She's, the, I think, in the general public, the general public, we're talking about this. Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, maybe as popular as as, as a Sasha Banks, but Sasha Banks Sasha. is yeah, right. Ron, Sasha Ronda, Banks, Ronda and Sasha. It, it could be arguably, yeah, arguably the most known popular commodities in the WWE, not just in the women's division, which is the biggest wrestling promotion in the entire country. So she's huge. What I think she knows she's huge. I think she knows she's a good worker, but I also think she knows her contract's coming up. She knows that she can probably transition to a, to a place in Hollywood like some of the other more popular wrestlers in the world. And so I do think that, that this time around, if what we're hearing about the rumor situation is true, and we do know it wasn't, it's not kayfabe. They're not working us. There, there, there was a walkout at the time. It has a lot to the reaction and what happened has a lot to do with Sasha Banks and a lot less to do with Naomi, who mm -hmm. has traditionally felt underappreciated in the company, but also has a lot of sympathy within the company because the company actually believes, especially her peers, believe she's been underappreciated. Mm -hmm. So this story needs is a Sasha Banks story. The question is, who is really at fault and who is really acting out of pocket? From what the dirt sheets and the rumors are saying, is that they had an issue with creative, but they also went to Vince. And Vince was like, you guys are right, let's change it. Then creative or producers saw Vince afterwards, explained to them what the play was, and then Vince was like, all right, let's write, leave it. And then they couldn't rectify that before the Roanoke show. And they put their belts on the table and walked out. Norfolk, not Roanoke. 
No, I'm sorry. Yeah. My my read of this is there are a lot of people in that locker room, a lot of women in that locker room, would kill to be in the Sasha Banks position. And the, they're not going to get – Sasha Banks in particular is not going to get sympathy in this particular situation because they are looking at her like she is the top dog. She can't be aggrieved but so much. And if the creative storyline is correct, they're setting up individual title challenges for both Naomi and Sasha. So there's a lot of folks that are like, look, this is a job. This isn't the job that you write. And you can't just, you just can't do what you did. The other side of this is, I think, again, we don't know all the details. But Sasha's opinion of where she needs to be, because Sasha's only looking at Charlotte and Becky at this point. Maybe Rhonda, but she's looking at Charlotte and Becky. And at this point, she does feel like of the four horsewomen, she is by far the most disrespectful. She feels that way. So I don't know. There's no right answer. I think WWE has a challenge on their hands. I think Naomi will be back in the fold. I really don't know about Banks. I hope she is, but her her time is going to be limited to begin with. I don't think – I think she's going to do other stuff. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Mark. Um, I think – so a lot to unpack here. I'll go through it very quickly. The first thing I'll say is all indications are – Everything I've ever seen, and granted, I'm just some idiot at home, but I did watch the first season of Total Divas. And <laughs> I can tell you that Naomi, by far, seemed like the most down-to-earth, like, nice, mm-hmm. normal person. Um, and not that everybody on the show was, you know, not nice, but she, she seemed like somebody you could know in her life and be like, okay, she's, she's a solid, solid person. I think that the reason, if the reports are correct – one of the reasons that sort of the the mixed feelings backstage are, are only going Sasha's way and not Naomi is because I think people maybe perceive what Naomi did as like an act of solidarity as opposed to this was, you know, her idea. Because Naomi, she sacrificed. She was like, she was going to go over and she mm-hmm. was going to be in probably the co-main event of or the semi-main event of the, of the next pay-per-view against Bianca for the title. So I think that the it, the thing you said, Sheena, is right on the money, which is we all know, we know enough to know that WWE has some pretty bad creative, some of which gets on TV, some of which doesn't get to, on TV. And so I think the frustration that people have backstage is like, okay, so Sasha, you walked out as a live show was starting because you were mad that you were going to get into a singles program with Ronda Rousey. Like, that's what you're mad about. And you have all these other people in the locker room who have never gotten anything close to that level of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, that is why their patience has run out. It's not like they, you know, were pitching some, you know, awful idea to Sasha. And she was like, look, I refuse to do this. And people are like, yeah, I can completely see why you were upset. This was like, wait, you didn't get your way. But, but the alternative was you were going to be, you know, competing for the title and, and you're, you're, tag team partner was going to win the main event tonight and that's that's this is the line in the sand that you're walking out over that's i think why this is is sort of taking a 
a different direction than a story like this normally would, which normally the, the sympathy of the locker room would be quietly or otherwise would be, you know, with the talent. And I think here it's a little more mixed because people are like, God, this is just like, does Sasha want to be here? I, th I think that's the question. And I think you're right. I, th I think she's going to go. I think Naomi will, will stay ultimately, especially because her husband is, you know, in the company. But anyway, it's a, it's a sticky situation. Sasha's husband's technically in the company too, right? Is he still doing the outfits? That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. So one of the things that I did read, and I'm going to give like a little sympathy to Sasha in this situation, is that, um, well, two things. First, one of the things that I read on the dirt sheets is from the person that is supposedly friends with Sasha um, is that, you know, they came to them with this tag angle months ago and there wasn't a whole lot to the story. It was just like, hey, you know, diversity week, we're going to put two black women together. You're going to win the championship. And Naomi and Sasha worked really hard to get this team over, right? And then to be told that those that that championship is going to be diminished, even if it is to your own betterment, right? Like you're you're cutting down something that they probably didn't want to do in the first place, and then ended up, you know, you're told to work this thing really, really hard, and then there's a whole new angle coming out. That's not the first time we've heard of something like that coming out of either Vince or creative at WWE. People, you you get given a story you don't really like. You work the crap out of it, and then a month or two later, it doesn't matter. Um, and I do think that that's something that consistently WWE has had problems with in their creative department. Second thing I will say, we also got news yesterday that Stephanie McMahon is stepping back. For a long time, she has had a big role in, at least from what I read, I don't really, you know, I'm not your WWE head, but she's had a lot to do with the women's division. Uh, that coupled with the Triple H in and out kind of story, Shane getting kicked out. I think there's a lot more turmoil over at WWE than any of us are seeing yet. And I do believe we're going to have, at some point, uh, a, a, either a blow-up sell-off of the company or uh, it's going to really change directions. I know Nick Khan is like the guy now, but you've, you've taken pretty much the three heir apparents to the company when Vince dies out of the picture. So maybe there's more mess happening over there than what we know about yet. I think especially with the Stephanie news coming out this week, that was really shocking to me because I thought even of the two kids, you know, I thought Stephanie would take over <laughs> before Shane. Um, so I don't know. I, I, think, was I, I think the caveat with Stephanie that we really don't know and nobody will know it is really Triple H's health. Yeah, I think that is. I, th I think it has, I think there's a possibility that the recent scare, the pacemaker in the heart, he probably can't do the family things right now. Maybe he gets back to speed, but open heart, pacemaker in the, like, that, that's a real recovery time. And, you know, he did the one appearance on ESPN. I don't know if it was around WrestleMania to say he, he's retiring, right? Um, and But I do think that there is a world right where stephanie looks at her husband looks at their family with young young girls i believe it is and says hey i need to at least put less time on the road because again we're talking about a schedule 280 290 sometimes over 300 plus days on the road and stephanie's not a in a position where she can take a lot of that time also she's probably in the the over 300 on the road type 
type days if she's with the company doing what she does. Yeah. I, I, I kind of compartmentalized those Stephanie's move. I yeah. do think there's definitely some some Shane stuff that's really interesting. I think there's some Vince stuff that's really interesting. I think there's some Nick Khan stuff that probably leads them to in the direction of, of selling per se. But going back to what you were saying about the women's division in general, I do think it, it just, it, this one goes back to, as we, as we said with Leo Rush, with <laughs> Sasha Banks, does she want to be there? Does she want to be there? And I'm, I think that contract's coming up. I don't think it's a negotiation move to get a bigger, more bigger money in more years. I think it's a move for her that says they don't respect me. They don't value me, whether it's accurate or not. Let me, um, you know, let me, let me see what I can do elsewhere. Well, what's next for her then? I mean, should we expect her to pop up in AEW or do you think she's going to go full-time Hollywood? Well, she's hosting, I think she's hosting shows. She's doing the whole circuit until, and I think she's going to probably make that run for at least a couple of years. And then we figure out if the interesting thing is if she comes back to wrestling in a capacity, does she come back to WWE or does she come back to another promotion and WWE says, Hey, we don't, we don't want to deal with this anymore. Uh, April Mendez, Mrs. Uh, CM Punk has a women's promotion that she is kicking off. So I can yep. see that being terrific. It's got us, it's got a TV deal. It's got the whole thing. Sure. Elevate, that, elevate that also, uh, Freddie Prince says he has the <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. says he has the backing and the TV deal and the SAG contracts in, in order. He bought the light kit. It looks like we're going to have quite a few more shows to talk about coming up. And let me be clear. Sasha Banks, I there there's nothing in my mind that says she would not succeed. In oh, I think she has a higher she, ceiling. I think she, she has is, a higher she ceiling a outside of WWE than she does. She is a star. She, and, she, and she knows it. Yeah. Okay, so we were going to talk about Double or Nothing, but we have another week to do that, and we've run really long. Um, so... <laughs> We're not like at the hour yet, but we still need to do like our ending things like heel of the week and all of that stuff. So I'm going to cut that block. Elliot, do you have a match for us to watch this week? I definitely do. So guys, one thing we did not touch on this whole show and I'm so thankful for is that we didn't talk about Ric Flair potentially getting back in the ring one more time. Matt Cardo, I, it was I coming. I don't want to talk about it, you know, but it, it's going to be happening apparently. It probably, I bet. I would not make a bet At that Dalton, actually who's happens. Who's he going to wrestle? It's your guy, Cheats. Jay Lethal is training no, with him right now. That'd be cool. It's, it's Matt Cardova for the NWA for the, for title, the N- right? NWA and World Title. Go well, I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's been. I know at one I point. I think that's it. Well, I know at one point apparently Ricky Steamboat had been asked, and Ricky said, "Hell no." You know, Ric Flair. One thing about Ric Flair, love him or hate him, he's had six, seven different runs. You know, p- people in the world can remember Ric Flair in the early 80s with the real long hair. They remember him dominating NWA in the late 80s. They remember him uh, during Monday Nitro Wars. And then he has a whole impact career. He had a complete renaissance with WWE. 
people of all ages can choose to remember how and Ric Flair, even after he stopped wrestling, he's got his entire persona from the videos he's doing. I choose to remember Ric Flair as a wrestler, kind of that mid eighties. So because I was thinking about Steamboat, I want to recommend Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat at Russell War 89. It's called the Music City Showdown. Steamboat went in as champion and Flair, uh, it was one of the matches where Flair, one of his title reigns, he took the title. It is it's part of their trilogy they had that was like Chi-Town Heat and then this. That match, I went and watched it today. I couldn't recommend it more. Russell War. These are two just like you were talking about art, Megan, earlier in the show. Those were two artists that you could just sit and you want to watch and you wish you had a, a poet like you who could translate it for my brain as I watch this amazing. And also the lead up to this was incredible too. So two guys, mass, it was a masterclass. Flair's had a million of those. That one really sticks out for me. So that's my recommendation. Wrestle War Music City Showdown, Flair versus Steamboat 1989. If you skip that recommendation because Ric Flair's a raging racist, I will not be mad at you. But Elliot recommended it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Okay, so this is how we end the week every week. We gotta talk about the heels, baby. So, Chief, who is your heel of the week? I, I'm excited. I love this one. It is going to be Nick Saban. Nick nice. Saban, the nice. yeah, great one of Alabama, is my heel of the week. He went on a whole full-fledged NIL rant. But he just he he went too far. He he accused his former uh, assistant coach Jimbo Fisher over at Texas A and M of playing every paying every recruit in the class this year. They had the number one recruiting class. He goes out and says Deion Sanders at Jackson State paid a kid a million dollars to come to Jackson State. He's talking about the top pick that Travis Hunter that that landed. He said a couple other I can't believe a couple other things he said about this and the 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 issue about any personality person coach like Nick Saban is it's all good while he's at the top of the mountain and Alabama has been at the top of the mountain for such a oh, the the other one Lincoln the the pit wide receiver I believe his name is Jordan Addison landed over at USC it's kind of the worst kept secret ever that this really great wide receiver is going to transfer to USC because of an IL um, but I say all that to say it's all good when I'm winning. Nick Saban loses to Texas A&M last season. First time that he'd lost to any of his assistant coaches ever. And he'd played a million of them. They lose in the national championship to Georgia. And now Nick Saban doesn't have the number one recruiting class over at Alabama. And we're supposed to honestly expect. We're supposed to think for the last 10, 15 years that people want to go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, <laughs> as a destination place without any – again, recruiting is institutionally not fair because the, the perks that a University of Alabama gets are not the perks that a, you know, a UVA or a University – or whoever they're playing. There's just a different level of support that one university gets after another in Alabama – is at the top in their football program of this situation. But but the issue is, as soon as Saban looks like he's about to, to, to get caught and suffer and not win a national championship, he's literally flipping over the table 
and calling for everyone to investigate everything. And I thought Jimbo Fisher had a really good response in the sense of ask Nick Saban's former assistant coaches what they think about Nick Saban. Ask his former assistant coaches how they went about their business. And he, and he should shut up is basically what he said. So Nick Saban's my heel of the week. He knows better. He should do better. Boom. All right, Tom, what are you worried about this week? My heel, my heel of the week was going to be a tough love heel of the week to Ric Flair for the reasons we just mm-hmm. talked about. But instead, I'd like to use my time to pile on Nick Saban for a second. <laughs> because the one thing that Cheatham left out of the of the rant that Saban had that was my absolute favorite part, and by that I mean least favorite part, was where he was talking about. So the whole thing is, as Cheatham said, Alabama had only the number two recruiting class. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, was number one. And he went on this rant of talking about, you know, how much, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're paying every recruit. They're paying every recruit. And then he goes, you know, and this, I don't have a problem with NIL because in Alabama, you know, our players did things the right way and they created opportunities for themselves to the tune of $3 million. And I'm like, okay, so when your guys do it and make millions of dollars, it's the right way. But if Texas A&M or some other school is doing it, like that's somehow unethical. What? It's insane. Are you kidding me? I mean, how much of this guy's own, you know, what is he? He's even smelling here. Anyway, I, I will, I will res, res, concede the rest of my time to LA, but I just, that was a great one, Cheatham. I, I like where your head is. I don't even know what sport you guys are talking about. Football, college, college football. football. Yeah. College football. Great. That's great. No, Megan, please, first. I know, I think you and I might be somewhere closer uh, to our feelings this week. So you go first. Um, well, I mean, I feel like this is a trend and Tom, I'm sorry, but it's another Republican. My heel of the week is Virginia governor Youngkin, who has decided that all Virginia state employees must go back to work as of July 1st. There's no longer honoring any telework, uh, agreements. My husband works for the state. Uh, until I decided to leave for UNC, I worked for the state. Um, and I know that uh, just productivity and like reports that we've gotten through COVID, uh, productivity has gone way up. Worker satisfaction has gone way up. Uh, Carlisle Group, that used to be run by our governor, Youngkin, uh, has a lot of commercial real estate holding. And I think that's why it's making everybody go back to work. So Youngkin, you are the my heel of the week. But that could be any week. I could find something every week to be like, he's a heel. I did vote for Yunkin, but I agree 100%. I agree 100% with what you just said. Well, Tom, that's why you're a good man. Uh, Yunkin is adjacent to my heel of the week. He's he's partly responsible for it, of course. Kind of take your pick. Secretary of Education, whose report was just, in my opinion, um, a complete just talking point for an agenda it's also i think a tissue of lies and mis- and misrepresentation of the facts from northam's administration or you could talk about the um candidate in the virginia second who is suing barnes and noble for wanting to remove lgbtq books um or i could just say oklahoma you know any and all, those are my the those entire, are my heels. The entire, the entire, the entire. The entire Jesus, uh, we're not state, winning any fans. We're not winning any fans here. 
the entire state, the entire state legislature of Oklahoma, whoever voted to make this happen, those are the ones. So those are my heels. Tom, you're an excellent human being. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, in that same vein, I'm going to give a shout out to the Richmond Public School Superintendent, uh, Jason. How do you say his last name? Karanis? I can never say it right. Jason Cameras. Cameras. He is my face of the week because he sent out a very bold email to every single parent in RPS and spoke of an incident. Uh, we all heard about the incident up in Buffalo. Um, but even though it is forbidden by our new governor, uh, Jason sent out an email to everybody and spoke about the importance of teaching uh, the history of race and racism, especially in our state. Uh, so I'm going to give him a face of the week uh, vote from me because uh, I thought it was a really bold move and a really brave move to, to protect a lot of his students uh, that matter just as much. For sure. That's mm -hmm. great. My face of the week is going to be Rocky Romero. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a sarcastic face of the week. My, and mine is very much is. My face Here's of the week. Here's, my face of the week is Juice Robinson, only because he's dating Tony Storm. So yeah. you know what? I'm gonna go with sexy Chucky C because he got kicked out of Trent's club. Like the, he wrestles with Trent all the time, and then Trent got like a, a, a tag match opportunity. He's like, I'm going with Rocky, and everybody was like, Where's sexy Chucky T? I, I need got, more sexy Chucky T in my life. Didn't he get COVID? Wasn't that Trent, story? Trent so he, did. he was out. Oh, Trent, of, right, 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 right. Gotcha, gotcha. Trent was out of the Capitol Collision because of COVID, but he was back on AEW TV that Wednesday live. Right. Yeah, and they were supposed to wrestle, and it was like Trent has a tag match, and everybody's like, "Ah, oh, Trent and Chucky T, best friends." Nope, Rapunky <laughs> Vice coming in to steal a steal the day. So maybe Rocky is my heel of the week. Don't you take that, time away from Chucky T. Is, All right, that is ladies the best and gentlemen. Rocky Romero we're ever gonna get. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hanging with us this week. Join us next week as we talk about all things pro wrestling. And as you know, here at Wrestling Chat with Friends, it ain't over till we count the mat. So one, two, three. Catch you guys next week. Peace, peace.